0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.
1: Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. I am so ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic. I just feel that in every cell and fiber of my being. And I I love this show because um, it always aligns, just hearing the energy or the vibratory field behind the idea of being an intentional spirit it it's so different than just goal setting and visioning even though those are really powerful it takes motion and an intentional spirit stays in motion and isn't stopped by events or outward circumstances that limit or they're not in god's waiting room they're still moving forward and i'm th- Just really tickled today to have Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis with us. Um, I know her. I watch her live. I see her being intentional with everything she does. So, Kathleen, welcome to our show today. I'm so glad you're here.
0: Well, thank you, Reverend Temple Hayes. I'm just tickled pink to be on the show.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm tickled pink (laughs) that you're tickled pink that you are on the show, for sure. And you have so many incredible stories, and now you create a space for other people and all their stories. So take us way back um, to Mm -hmm. a beginning of when you started interpreting dreams, or wherever you want to go, you can start Mm -hmm. with your childhood, but let us know your Mm -hmm. path of how you got from where you were to allowing life to unfold like you have.
0: Mm, Goodness, Temple, you know, I'm Irish, married to a Greek. That's where the cannabis comes from. And I was born with the gift of gab. So we may finish my story right like two minutes before the hour is up when you give me free reign like this. But, yeah, my story probably begins, oh, gosh, way back, probably when I was like, um, I don't know, my first year of life. I noticed that, and I thought everybody had them. I had and envis- an imaginary friend, and it's amazing how many people have those, but his name was Gigi, and I realized now Gigi was a spirit guide since I was a- alone, and I was an only child, um, and I was born in-, in Frankfurt, Germany, because my father was actually Green Beret, and he stayed right outside of um, hot spots, uh, the Cold War was going on, the, the, the World War II had ended. Uh, there were still a lot of bombed out places in Berlin and and also Frankfurt and all the big cities. And there were a lot of, mm, how should we say, angry spirits. <laughs> and so I believe Gigi was there to keep me safe. And now fast forward to when I was nine years old. And it's actually in uh, the book that, that we did together, Mayhem to Miracles, uh, Sacred Stories of Transformational Hope, that you wrote the foreword for, for, and my story was called The Face on the Pillow, which this is back in, in 1961, that, wow. that this came to my, my mother's attention. But I had been having this dream, this recurrent dream, all my little life. It just kept popping up and popping up. And so the Berlin Wall had gone up, and everybody was very frightened, especially the Americans, because we were surrounded by Russian tanks. We couldn't get out. We couldn't get airlifted out. We couldn't leave the ground. We couldn't run away. We were stuck. And we knew that if the Russians decided to come over the wall and invade West Berlin, we were going to be the first ones to go. We would be the first – we would be the sacrificial lambs, until the rest of the American military could get there. We'd be the first to die. We knew that. And growing up with that in my mind, having had that explained to me and realizing that I had really no other family other than a half-brother who was in Nuremberg, (laughs) that didn't help. And uh, my grandparents were dead. and no aunts and uncles. My parents had grown up in convents. So I was on my own with Gigi. And so when the wall went up, um, I remember I had gone to school and it was frightening because school was suddenly let out at 10 o'clock in the morning. It was, everybody, the, the principal came on the intercom and said, everybody go home. And I was in first grade at that time, so I'm making my way home, Temple, and I see the MPs shooting large dogs
1: oh, God. In, the, in the
0: neighborhood. They're shooting large dogs. And people are throwing their cats in, into the, the forest. And I get home, and I told my mother I was so upset. And she said, "Um, well, you know, I have to tell you, we have to let um, your hamster go. And I said, what? My hamster was the only friend I had. I'd only been there like three weeks. I had three girlfriends that I called my best friends because they were the only ones that would play with me because I was a new kid on the block. (laughs) And so my hamster's name was Chippy, and she said, we have to let Chippy go in the woods because we're going to leave, and we don't have time to find Chippy a home, so we have to let him go. And I said, "No, no, it's going to get cold. It's winter setting in. Chippy's my baby. I'm not going to throw my baby in the woods." People were letting their, their rabbits go. They were letting their snakes go. Everybody. Oh was God, the that must have been awful. Go. It was. Their birds. They were letting their birds out of the cages. Um, it, it was like Chernobyl. You know, everybody threw mm. the animals out and then they got ready to take off because we were hoping to get to take off. And I said, no, I said to myself, I'm not going to let my baby die. So I took my hamster Chippy and I put him in my coat pocket and I put a carrot and some lettuce in my coat pocket and I showed it up with him in there. <laughs> and I said, when I go, Chippy's going. And so then <laughs> all my... My girlfriend's mother said to my mom, because she was pretty much alone, come over to our place. We're all going over to Donna's uh, Donna's apartment and tell Kathy, you know, to bring her Barbie doll. We're going to let the girls play on the floor with the Barbie dolls, and we're going to be ready to run if we need to. So we went over to Donna's place. And I was sitting on the floor playing with my Barbie doll. I thought she was the most beautiful thing in the world. I wanted to grow up being a Barbie doll. And um, one of the mothers... Hey, you said,
1: didn't miss the mark uh, too much, girly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That Barbie was awfully pretty. Really, really tall. I mean, that, you, know, you, you came into that closer than I did. I am just a little shrimpkin. But mm. uh, the one mother said, um, you know, Kathy's going to be the first to get married. And my mom said, "Really? Why is that?" She said, "Cause Kathy's so cute. She's so popular." And I'm thinking, "Really? Brand new here." And um, my mom looked at me and she said, "Kathy, are you going to be the first one to get married?" And I said, "No, I'm not getting married till I'm in my late twenties, 28, 29. And they all laughed. They thought that was so funny because at this time I was like eight or nine years old. I was in first grade. And then another mother said, "Yeah, and I bet she's going to marry a prince." Because, you know, she's such a little princess. And, uh, you know, I was a little princess that could climb a tree faster than any boy in the neighborhood and outrun them all. So uh, my mom said, are you going to marry a prince? And I said, no, I'm marrying a millionaire. And they all laughed. They thought that was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. And then my, my another mother said, um, how do you know you're going to marry a millionaire? And I said, because I've already seen him. Now they're all thinking pedophile, right? <laughs> <Nobody's> right, <laughing. laughs> right. They're all <laughs> looking at me. And my mom's looking at me and she goes, what do you mean? Where have you seen him? And I said, I've always seen him in my dreams. There, he's a face on my pillow and when I turn my head to go to sleep I, and I first fall asleep and I'm falling and falling down that great big dark hall, there's this face on the pillow next to me and I see his big brown eyes and I see his kind of golden hair and, and that's the person I'm going to marry. Oh, they were all laughing hysterically, except my mom. She was looking at me because she already knew about Gigi, and she knew I had some pretty strange things going on in my life. So now fast forward, Temple, to um, like uh, 20 years later. And on Stady Hawkins night, which is the first weekend in the week of November, uh, a girlfriend of mine had asked me to meet her in a grungy bar, which I never go to. I hate those things. Because she was getting ready to get divorced, and it was actually in the Sheridan Bar uh, in Fort Myers. And I said, okay, look, I'll meet you for, for one drink. That's, that's it. I You know, I hate bars. And I'm thinking to myself, that might be part of your problem, you know, hanging out in those grungy bars. But I met her and we sat down and before we knew it, we had like the table was full of all these guys. And it was Sadie Hawkins night and I didn't realize that. I didn't grow up with Sadie Hawkins where you had little Abner and and Daisy May cartoons. I grew up in Germany. Um, So I'm seeing all these people dressed up as Daisy May and little Abner and when you came in (laughs) the door, the, the bouncer gave you a screw or a bolt. And if the guys in there dressed up like little adner, if his bolt fit your screw, you were supposed to go home together. Well, I gotta tell you, temple, after this Neanderthal had walked up, mouth breather, and his screw almost fit my bolt, I threw my bolt under somebody else's table and just told other guys, you know, I lost it, I don't know where it went. And just when I was I had had enough, I couldn't take any more, in walked the face on the pillow. It was Mm. my husband, Peter. I recognized the eyes, I recognized the hair. He saw me, he walked over to that table full of guys and asked me to dance. I mean, that took some cojones, really. All the guys, there's only me and one other girl. And he asked me to dance and we danced and three years later, we got married. And I think what's so important Right now about this story, Temple, is the fact that so many of us have been locked down. We have not been able to go to work, to socialize, to, to uh, go to grungy bars or any bars. <laughs> no bars at all, no restaurants, nothing. Right. And single women, single people, single men are asking themselves, am I ever going to meet the love of my life? Am I going to be alone forever? Is there a reason to go on? And I always tell them, you know, trust in your dreams, but mostly trust in God. You have somebody that you contracted for before you were born. Some of us get to be reminded in our dreams of what they look like, what we contracted for. Some of us don't, but If we trust in our higher power, in our inner guidance, in our spirit guide, we will find that right person. And despite the fact, Temple, that I had been engaged for four years to somebody else and then broke it off because I was like, this just isn't the face on the pillow. And I I dated really fantastic men. My mother's favorite saying was, why are you waiting till the petals fall off the road. You're not getting any younger. I mean, I was like, oh, mom, please, please. (laughs) I'd rather be alone than to be with the wrong one when the right one comes along. And I think that's the whole premise for that story. Trusting your inner guidance, trusting God to send the right person to you, trusting in your dreams to validate that, yes, it is, believe i always say temple believe but validate i'm not a blind believer everything i believe in i know because i have had some kind of validation in my waking and my living world so believe there's somebody out there for you that they're there and you will find them the trick is to not be with the wrong one when the right one comes along
1: Exactly. And of course, you're also saying and be be mindful because your parents don't usually know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't listen to your mom, you know, because yeah, you would be with like, oh, no, some other beginning. experience. You it, honor parents does not mean do everything in their opinion, right? <laughs>
0: That's right. That's right. You can't let anyone dissuade you from your past. And, and, you know, I talked about that at Unity when, when you were so gracious to ask me to speak to your huge congregation. I was like, oh, my goodness. And I talked about our life purpose, which is part of, you know, the intentional spirit seeing and being, um, being in step with why we came here to begin with and knowing that, the the, um, partners that we choose in our life and the friends like you that we choose in life are all part of our life purpose and trusting, especially during this horrible COVID, uh, trusting that we are not going to die until we have fulfilled that purpose. And those people who do go home, and that's what I call it. I mean, to me, I've looked death in the eyes so many times that death and I are old friends. Um, I'm not afraid of death. I realize death is the person who's gonna walk me down the aisle to God back home. And so I'm not afraid. And until we have fulfilled our purpose, we're not leaving this earth plane. We still have work to do. So if if any of your listeners are, are afraid of catching COVID and dying, ask yourself, Have I fulfilled my purpose? Do I want to be walked down that beautiful aisle to God to heaven by your friend Death? Because here's the other clincher for this, Tom Paul. That's we're all going to die. Nobody can live forever. So it's a case of getting your work done that you said you wanted to get done before you were born, which is fulfilling your life purpose and until that happens you're not going anywhere
1: well and it it's been so evident to me because uh dying has been dying and living living and dying has been kind of my subject um most of my life and you know part of that came about with being so young and having already had so many people die in my life but the the thing that I have discovered is that the people that don't fear death, they aren't afraid to really live. You know, there's definitely mm-hmm. a connection there. Uh, because when you're afraid of death, you're you're hesitant to live. And um, I, I'm like you. I, I think that was one of the things that shocked me the most when COVID started was that people were surprised that they were going to die. I'm like, oh, you just figured that out. You know, (laughs) you can't avoid it. You know, this might be the means in which you do it, but you definitely aren't going to get spared that experience. I love what you're saying is you're, you ask yourself the question, am I still on my purpose? And am I done yet? You know, I don't Mm -hmm. feel done yet. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're just people like us. We're just getting started.
0: You know, we are always getting started. When we finish one thing, there's another thing in the line to go. And, you know, um, we'll be 150 before finally, you know, our, our mm-hmm. good friend Jess comes and says, Okay, so you're starting to really wrinkle up like a prune. You're ready to go?
1: I know, I know. <laughs> I'm going, like, going for 152. <laughs> I say,
0: yeah, yeah, I think yes. it might be time to go. I think my foot just fell off.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. I still don't like
0: the salmon swimming up. Stream and they spawn and then they literally fall apart until I'm literally falling apart. I'm not really going to be ready to go until then. You know, it's, it's just a, a, another exciting chapter in our book of life.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for um, a number of years ago, you actually were facing um a possible early death, were you not? And what age were you then that you started having the dreams?
0: Well, um, interesting, yes, I was, I I had, no, if you had told me when uh, I was in college or even when I was first working uh, teaching psychology at USF in Fort Myers or special education, that I was going to come down with breast cancer, uh, actually a 9 by 11 centimeter Uh, recurrence and be faced with death. I would have told you you were crazy. And then if you told me that I was going to write a book about it that was going to win awards, I would have told you, yeah, what planet are you from? But that's basically what happened. Um, You know, I, I um, I was actually 39 at the time when my dreams told me I had breast cancer. And it was right after I had gone for my mammogram, my uh, physical, my blood test. The doctors told me I was healthy, go home. And I got that little yellow sheet in the mail that said, yeah, you're negative for breast cancer, see you in a year, whatever. And then the dreams started. And in the dreams, these I would be having my regular dream. And all of a sudden, Temple, my dream would freeze. Just like a page on your computer. You know, your computer freezes and you start Punching all these buttons to try and get it to open up. And in the middle of that frozen dream would be a pop up. It was like a pop up window. And that pop up window would open up. And through that window walked a Franciscan monk. And I'm standing there in my dream going, Whoa, that is really freaky. Who is this? And this monk, I couldn't see his face because his hood was up. His hands were inside of his sleeve, he walked up to me and he said, go back to your doctor tomorrow without an appointment. You have breast cancer. And I said, what? He said, yes, come with me. We have something to tell you. And he led me through that pop-up door. And I went into what I call the room of realms. And it's basically the room between realms. And I, um, I looked around and it's like all white, you can't see the floor from the top. And I, I remember thinking, this is just so strange. Um, and the, this one monk walked up to me, he took my hand and he put it on my breast. And he said, do you feel that? And I said, yes. And he said, that's breast cancer. I want you to go back to your doctor tomorrow and tell him you need an MRI. Mm-hmm. So without thinking, I did. I did exactly what they said, Reverend Temple. I did it three different times. And each time the doctors said, we can't Mm. feel anything. Your mammograms are fine. Your blood tests are fine. There's nothing wrong with you.
1: Go home.
0: So finally, the third time when the monks came through and I saw them, I started crying in my dream when they walked through that pop-up window. I started crying and I said, look, I know why you're here. If I really do have breast cancer and the doctors are missing it, you need to do something to help me because I cannot give myself an MRI and I can't seem to convince them no matter what I'm doing. So help me. And the monk reached into his sleeve. He pulled out this little teeny tiny white angel feather. That's what he said. Here's an angel feather. And he handed it to me and he said, if you go back to your doctor tomorrow without an appointment again, to show up on his doorstep, and you tell him you need exploratory surgery to find this cancer, and you use this feather to cut through his arguments, you're going to get it, and you will live. And he turned around and walked out of the dream. That was it. The window disappeared, um, and my dream started right back up as if it had never stopped because time had stood still. So I actually went back to my doctor, just like you said, and my doctor looked at me when I told him what I wanted to do, like I had poured gasoline on myself and set myself on fire. And I ended up convincing him to do the exploratory surgery by pointing in my mind, pointing that feather at him. He went out, made an appointment. Long story short, I was in stage two with breast cancer in a lymph node. And they only found it through exploratory surgery. So I believe I want to end that story, Tempo, with this. I believe we're all born with spirit guides and guardian angels. We're their job, and they take that job very seriously. And until we have fulfilled our life purpose, they're going to be there for us in our dreams. We have to ask them. We have to be intentional and say, please help me when we're faced with a dilemma, and then they have law of permission from heaven to come into our dreams, come into our daydreams, come into our meditation, and help us.
1: And it's that that strength, you know, that clarity Mm -hmm. of following your intuition, because everybody kept invalidating you. And, you know, mm-hmm. what a blessing that you were persistent and that you just kept saying, I, I need you to check me out here. Something's off.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Don't take no for an answer. My rule of thumb is when somebody tells me no, it just means start again at the next level up. And you can't <laughs> go any higher than God.
1: I love that. Start it start at the next level up (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's wonderful (laughs) that's well your life has been um a whole story about that for sure you know Mm, it has been an amazing Mm. amazing journey well i know that when we come back after this short break we're going to get to hear about not only your healing with breast cancer, but then you had, I think, another incident or two. But then you went on to, you know, write so many books. And we also want to celebrate your new book uh, that is coming out in the, in the next few weeks. So lots of uh, good things to look forward to. I want to thank all of you for tuning in, either currently or thank you for tuning in um, later on and downloading and I'm um, listening to our show. And I tell you, Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis is a powerhouse. You can look her up on the internet. You can follow her with her different books. And she's not hard to find because she's all over the internet. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and stay tuned, go into templehaze.com or firstunity.org. And it's just really a pleasure that you are continuing to listen to us and, and be part of our shows and, We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in. And I'm sure you have been as mesmerized as I have listening to Kathleen O'Keefe Canovas. What a powerful uh, show today. And what a great human being she is. Um, uh, Kathleen, can you um, tell our listening audience how to follow you, find you? I know you have a very dynamic um, radio show also.
0: Well, thank you. Yes, you can find me if, you know, if if you're going from scratch, just type into Google The Queen, The Queen of Dreams, and I will come up. You can also type in my name, uh, Kathleen K A T H L E E N O'Keefe O K E E F E, Cannabis K A N A V O S dot com, and I'll also come up. I do have a, a radio show. It's a video podcast, so you get to see me, and that's Dreaming Healing, Dreaming Healing on Dream Vision Seven Radio TV Network. So you can just type in dreaming healing and i'll come up and if you'd like to see my show it's the first and third tuesday of every month at 9 p.m at night it's after everybody's put their children to bed and the dishes are put away and the dinner's been uh you know all put into the refrigerator and most women sit on the bed with their with their uh laptop on their lap and they and they watch me with my guests my guests are live on there and that's dreaming Healing on Dream Vision Seven Radio network and you can go to my website and up in the right hand corner you can click on dreaming healing there's a little there's a little uh, uh, button there you can click on that it'll take you to the radio network's uh, website page that they created for me and there's a little TV set there and you can click on that and it'll take you right to my show and while you're on my website if this is the first time you you've you know heard of me or or listened to me, there's a free gift for you in the right right up hand corner at the very top uh just downloaded it and it's all about
1: dreams. oh that's awesome <clears throat> absolutely awesome so you went on to um uh, to actually have cancer again, didn't you? I did,
0: I did, like once wasn't enough. (laughs) I had cancer uh, actually three times. But what what makes it so interesting is you've got a really, really tough trust in God that you are fulfilling your life purpose. So what happened was at basically the five-year point, that point that you want to reach when you are a cancer survivor because it means chances are you're not going to get it back, um, your, your, your survival. And I had gone in for my mammogram. And this time I would have the mammogram done. And another reason that we're talking about this right now, uh, Reverend Temple is because we're going into October, which is breast cancer awareness month. You know, BB went through that too, your wife. And, And so there are so many women who have gone through this. And, um, I had my mammogram and I had the radiologist reading it in front of me, and because I had been working so closely with my spirit guides, um, they told me what foods to eat, like they told me I had to get dandelions during uh, my um, radiation and chemotherapy. And you know, I think it's important to say, Temple, my spirit guides did not say, go find Swami, rama Ramalama, ding-dong, because I'd have done it. <laughs> They said, you go back to your doctors and you tell them this and you tell them that and you and you take control of this. So heaven trusts in our medical community. But I think the important message here is sometimes medicine can only go so far and then comes God. So you have to kind of trust in your spirit guides your guardian angel. So when I was having my mammograms read, in front of me with this radiologist, one of the monks orbed into the room beside me. Of course, I could only see him like I can only see Gigi. And he pointed to one of the films on the wall that was backlit and said, tell your doctor to look right here. I mean, he pointed to the spot. So I put my finger there and I said to the doctor, what about right here? And he turned around, he looked at me and he said, Mrs. Cannabis, that's not the breast that had cancer. I said, yeah, I know, but what about right there? He looked at me and he said, you're healthy, go home. And I said, but can you look there? He said, there's nothing there, go home. So I went down to L2, which is lower level radiation, where the chief of radiology was one of my doctors. And I walked through the door, and as soon as I walked through the door, he was standing there. And he said, Dr. Gupta just called me, and he thinks you're having an anxiety attack. And he said, with all that you've gone through, Kat, you know, that's perfectly normal. You're healthy. Go home. So I did. I went home. And that night, I was sitting in the bathtub crying, going, I know something's wrong. My guide would not have orbed into that room if I was healthy and I should go home. And that night, the spirit guides came back into my dream. And they said, you're right. It's on the other side. Now you're going to have to really be strong. So I went back. To my radiologist and I said look you did the MRI last time I want you to do another one and he said no he didn't they gave me the runaround Peter was with me I went up and down four different floors of the hospital the, the doctor on floor 2 said no he didn't do the MRI go to the doctor on floor 9 the doctor on floor 9 said no no I didn't do it go back down to floor 2 and so at the end I went down to lower level 2 the chief of radiology. When I walked through those doors, my hair was on fire. And I looked at the secretary. She must have pushed the panic button because the doctor walked through the doors. And I said, look, (laughs) I don't care who did the last one. You have my records there. You look it up. You need to have those records. And if you don't, then you're at fault. I want an MRI and I'm not leaving. And this is the important part, Temple. I'm in the waiting room. People are now looking at me and the doctor's going, do you want to go in my office and talk? And I'm like, no, I don't. I want to be right here with your secretary to make this appointment. I said, I am not leaving till you call up and you get me this appointment. I am going to lie down here on your floor and kick my feet like a two-year-old that's had their candy taken away until you get me that appointment. Well, Peter is backed into a corner now, and he's just kind of hyperventilating. And my husband is 6'1". He's a big man. So the doctor finally looked at me and looked at the nurse and said, go ahead, make the appointment for her, which just goes to show you if you stand in your power as a woman, and yes, Speak your truth, and you don't take no for an answer. You're going to get what you want and what you need.
1: <laughs> exactly. So
0: they, it took me three months, Reverend Temple, to get that MRI. That's how long it took me. And the MRI showed an area on the other breast that the doctor said didn't have the cancer that was 9 by 11 centimeters. Oh, my
1: God! And right
0: away, the doctors were running for the hills. My records disappeared out of the hospital, but that didn't matter because I kept copies of everything and some of the things I kept were originals, and I still have them to this day. Just in case anybody went after me when I wrote the first book, Surviving Cancer Land, I have all the paperwork. So now the doctors are like, well, you know, this doesn't happen very often. And I said, well, let me ask you something. When? mammograms aren't working the first time. And yeah, I know you said mammograms are only as good as the people who take them and the people who read them and you are the best. So when they're not working even the second time, don't you think those people should be only given MRIs? And so I was able to change hospital policy. They would say, well, this is our gold level. And I said, I don't want gold levels. Gold levels gonna kill me. I want platinum and every other woman who's gone through what I'm going through should have platinum. That's an MRI. So I was able to change hospital policy, but the point of this long, drawn-out story is when I went home and that basically stage four um, breast cancer because it is, they say stage four is when it goes from one organ to another. Well, it went from one breast. To the other breast it's a different organ on my body Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people are arguing oh no no it's still the same organ if you've got kidney cancer and it goes from one kidney into the other it is moved okay it is moved Uh, and so a 9 by 11 centimeter area is nothing to, to take lightly and I remember I was cleaning the kitchen and I just, I just couldn't stop crying. I was, I was like, I'm not going to survive this. My mother couldn't survive recurrence. I don't know anybody else who has, re, ha, who has survived recurrence this big. I guess it's time for me to go home. I guess it's time for me to go to heaven. Okay, okay, so I'm, I'm what, 44 years old, 45 years old. You know, people die at that age. I'm just going to be one of them. I guess I did what I was supposed to do. I changed that hospital policy. I guess I'm done. And i went up and i laid down on the bed and i started crying and i cried myself to sleep and in my dream i woke up because there was there there was movement beside my bed and i looked up and there were my three monks standing beside the bed looking (laughs) down at me and i looked up at them and i said yeah i know why you're here i got it i'm dying i'm okay with it i understand but You might want to warn God before I get up there because I've got some really big bones to pick with him. Not at any time in any lifetime I know my soul would I have done something to deserve this once, let alone twice. And I went through all of that crap, you know, all of those 21 surgeries and chemotherapy where I I almost was ready to commit suicide because it would have been easier than the chemo. And the radiation and all of that, just to get it all again and go through it again? No, I don't want to do that. Uh -uh. And the moms looked down at me and they said, don't you remember, Kat? And I said, remember what? And they said, you told us before you were born. That you wanted to come down onto the earth plane during a time when God was being taken out of the schools, God was being taken out of public. God was being taken out of everything. Everything religious was being torn down and put away in the closet. And science was being worshipped as the new God. You were going to show them that science is a gift from God, an ever-changing gift from God, not God. You worship God. You thank him for the science. That science only goes so far, and then comes God. We told you we'd be with you every step of the way, and we have been. You are not going to die. I remember looking up at them and going, what the heck was I smoking up there when I decided <laughs> to say that? It's the only time I've ever seen them laugh, Temple. They laughed, they turned around, and they walked out of my dream. But at that moment, I had something that I call total surrender. And and it's such a wonderful feeling. I said, thy will be done. Okay, if I told you, God, that I was going to do this, and you're sending me these profound monks as your messengers, thy will, not my will, be done. And I will walk through the fires of hell as long as you send those monks with me to bring me back, I will do whatever I contracted with you. Just don't leave me. And I heard a voice say, I won't. And from that moment on, I surrendered my body and soul completely to God. And no matter who he puts in my way or what he puts in my way, I I do the same thing you do, I say yes. It's just yes, whatever it is. I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea who that person is, but the answer's always yes, and I've been blessed. I have been blessed with the most incredible teachers and friends like you, and so that, that moment of true surrender, you'll know when you've got it, because it's like your heart just floats up into your brain, and you know you're there. Mm,
1: that's so powerful. And you've uh, written several bestsellers, that's for sure, and supported others in doing the same. I I love that you are creating such purpose for so many people, especially, you know, first-time authors also. Um, Tell us about your new book that's not even out yet, and it's already a bestseller.
0: I think it's the, one of the reasons why it's the bestseller is because you wrote wrote the forward.
1: No, uh, I haven't know about Reverend
0: that. Doctor, tell oh yeah, that is an, an, an it's just an incredible um, forward. And uh, you know, I decided after I went through what I went through that everybody has a story to tell, and there are so many wonderful stories out there that never make it into a published book because the publishing community is just looking for the next Harry Potter, which was a great, great series, but not all of us are writers. Uh, you know, the, the, we, Not all of us can write Harry Potter books or, or Celestine Prophecy books, but we've got James Redfield in the book, Mayhem to Miracles as well, and that's by Sacred Stories of Transformational Hope, Sacred Stories, and it's true stories of courage, triumph, and peace. And in the forward, one of what I loved is your quote. You said, "Don't ever give up on your hopes and dreams, or mm-hmm. you too can move from never to always." And it's 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 stories like yours and and stories like mine, "Vine Fire of the Vanities," where my condo burned down and. California when my husband was there alone, but I didn't lose my husband. I wasn't there because my spirit guides told me at the last minute not to go with the cats. We lost all of our stuff, our vanity clothing, our vanity stuff. But in the end we gained the knowledge that we have so many friends when they came to his rescue. I mean the stories in the book are are amazing. Um and so yes, you wrote uh the the forward to it and the, and then we've got stories like deborah bouvet who uh is the owner of dream vision 7 radio network that i have the show on and she talks about a mother's mission to save her child now if she were to try to write a book about that i don't know that any publishing company would say oh well you know i'm not really sure that that the gen, general populace would would be interested in a story like that but they are, because look at how many mothers there are in the world who have made the decision to leave their husbands in order to save their children, and that's what this story was about. So the book is full of incredible stories, including mine, the Face on the Pillow, and it is going to be released on the 5th of October. That's our release date, and uh, it's co-published by uh, Reverend Ariel Patricia and me, And it has James Redfield, Sister Dr. Jen is in there, Bernie Siegel. We have got an incredible uh, group of authors, including Bibi, is in the book talking about how, you know, much like me, she was this athlete. She was going all the time, and then boom, she finds out she's got breast cancer. What's she going to do? And her story Mm -hmm. is is just phenomenal. And so you can pre-order the book. Uh, it is on uh, there is a pre-order book uh, button on Amazon, and uh, the book is a number one Amazon bestseller in new releases in two categories already.
1: I love it. that is so, so cool. Well, I imagine too. I mean didn't you find the story of um talk about somebody having to reinvent themselves, the former major of the military, uh, Sandra Kitt. I mean, she had yes. an over-the-top story for sure.
0: Oh, she did. And you know, it's amazing to me how many people in this book, their stories are tied into you, including including Re- Reverend Sandra Kitt, where, you know, you find her in the hospital and all she can move, she has a drug-induced uh, coma, basically, or a stroke. All she can move is her pinky finger. And you look down into her eyes, which are the windows to our soul. And you say to her, are you ready to get out of here? And she moves (laughs) that pinky finger and blinks like, yeah, get me out of here now. (laughs) And um, we've all become great friends. And there's nothing. She rides horses. She goes skiing. Yes, she needs a walker sometimes to help her, but she's getting better every, every day. So um, her story is phenomenal. And, uh, she also is in this book where, um, she, she shares everything that she went through. And it just goes to show you our souls. Until we're ready to go, our souls are so very, very strong. And so this is the third and last book that, that Ariel, uh, Reverend Ariel Patricia and I are doing with the Sacred Stories, uh, book but i have since become a co-publisher with webebookspublishing.com so you know i invite you if you have a story and i know you do if you're listening if you've got a story that can be of help to other people because we all want to know what other people go through we see it in in on tv with the different shows where people are in crisis but a lot of times they don't come through the storm We're just focused on their crisis. The stories that webebookspublishing.com publish are stories of coming through the storm, finding the miracle in that storm, and coming out the other side with an important message to the world. So I invite you to go to uh, webebookspublishing.com, or you can get to it from my website, again, the queen of dreams, and um, share your story with us. Uh, Go to the website and uh, click on the acquisitions part, and we'll be in touch with you. We will be in touch with you.
1: Well, I am so thrilled that the book is doing so well. And also the other book that did extremely well was Crappy to Happy. Now, that was a a definite um, purpose-driven book at the right time, right? with everything being preoccupied with COVID?
0: It was, and and so it was a perfect title for a book, and of course, you were in that book. I I asked you if you would like to to contribute a story, and right out of your mouth was yes, just like when I said, (laughs) oh my gosh, I'd like to invite uh, Reverend Dr. Temple Hayes to write the foreword for Mayhem to Miracles, and and Ariel said, well, do you think she will? And I said, I don't know. Let me ask her right off the bat. Yes. So with Crappy to Happy, J- James Redfield at the Celestine Prophecies uh, wrote the foreword. And, of course, Dr. Bernie Siegel's been in all three of our books. So the stories in these books are, are amazing because they don't just tell you about the storm. They tell you about the crappy stuff of the storm, yeah, but it's actually out of that crappy stuff, that mayhem, that miracles grow. The, the seed of the miracles are planted or sowed in the mayhem or the crap, and that's where they grow. And so every single story in every single book from Chaos to Clarity, Crappy to Happy, and now Mayhem to Miracles are stories of transformation, and this one is transformational hope because hope is that magic elixir that can transform life's troubles into a sense of grace and meaning. As long as we have that beacon of hope to walk toward, we're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, we are definitely going to be okay. There is no doubt about it and uh, really the best is yet to come it's um sometimes mm-hmm. not easy to remember that with where things are but it, we will get on the other side of this and we will be better i really believe that
0: oh absolutely and you know getting back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the show um being afraid to die uh you know i know that the, the one of the guests that came on my show and we were talking about the fear of death because that's something that's on everybody's minds right now. She said, you know what? When I die, I want to come screaming into my grave sideways, yelling, God, that was fun. I can't wait to do it again with with a martini (laughs) in my hand and a banana split in the other, two things that I can't have now and know that the next life I'm going to have lots of them and I can eat lots of it and have it.
1: And she said, that's what I want to
0: do because this life has been so much fun. And all of these challenges, all of this mayhem, all of this crappy to happy has been part of the building of our
1: miracle." I love that. I love that. It's a great time to make new choices and, and live and say yes right now. You know, that, Mm -hmm. that's the thing is don't prolong, you know, what's in front of you. Listen to your heart and, you know, open up to, to what is possible. But I tell you, it's just been a pleasure having you. And um, I'd love you to leave some closing words of wisdom with us today. Because you have a lot of it.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'd like to say, if you're listening and and you're still in a place of mayhem right now, or even if you've come out of it, take the next step. Surrender your body and soul to your higher power, to your God. And watch the miracles just bloom. See the fear. Feel the fear just melt away. There's not enough room for God's love in your heart and fear and fear will always be overshadowed by that love. And finally it will just wither away and die like a weed.
1: It's been such a pleasure having you Kathleen O'Keefe cannabis, and please keep doing the work that you're doing and being the messenger that you are and enlightening people to possibilities. And, you know, it's not, what you go through it's what you become because of what you go through i mean that is truly the secret Mm -hmm. in every way god bless you everyone on this amazing journey we call life and thank you so much for tuning into our show and we will see you next week bye everyone Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.